Good morning. Uh, my name is Lisa, and I'm on staff here at 4C, and today I'll be filling in for our lead pastor, Ben, who is on a much-deserved vacation with his family. Um, today, during this worship service, we are uh, reflecting on our identity and who we are in Christ. Our identity is so important because it encompasses everything in our life. Um, it defines who we are and um, what we choose to commit our life to and, and our time and our money and our energy. So today I have two foreseers up on stage with me who are going to share a little bit about their life and how God has defined um, them and the identity that they've found in Christ. So um, let's get started. This is my friend Jennifer Davis, and some of you may have met her. She serves in the lobby on guest services. You help in students. Um, she also is founder of a nonprofit organization called Beaded Hope that serves um, ladies in South Africa. Um, these ladies are artists, and they create beautiful jewelry that Beaded Hope resells online and in home shows, correct? Yeah. And um, this is my friend Troy, and Troy is the EMS captain of all of Westchester, uh, a father of four, and he also serves in our student ministries um, as a small group leader, and you're the small group leader in my son's eighth grade class. So welcome, guys, and thanks for being with us today. Um, just to get started, Jennifer, why don't you tell us a little bit about your life um, prior to Beaded Hope and kind of the former career that you were in before you started Beaded Hope? Sure. Um, Fifteen years ago, I was uh, a wife and about to be a new mom, and I had this great career, and I was really successful at it. I was a project manager for a large software company, and at that time, if I had to define what my identity was, I would have defined it based on the world's view of what it means to be successful in business. So for me, I interpreted that as two things. Um, first, I interpreted that as bringing a client their product on time, because all clients want their products on time. And then second, I interpreted that as being under budget on those projects, because all upper management wants you to be under budget. Right. And I got to be really good at that and really um, able to do that. But often what I found was that the people along the way didn't necessarily get the attention that they should have gotten. Uh, so then my son was born, and I took a little bit of time off. And I remember when he was about two months old, and I was sitting in, in his room rocking him in his chair, and it dawned on me that I liked myself better as a mother than I ever did as that, that tough businesswoman that I had become in the business world. And um, I really feel like in that moment, for me, God was saying, hey, listen, the world's views and my views aren't the same. And what I want for you is I want you to be about relationship. Right. I want you to be able to be a coach, an advocate, an ally. I want you to put those relationships right. first. I think there's a lot of people here today that can probably relate to that, especially in the career um, world and kind of how the world defines us as what we do, right? Yeah. Well, Troy, um, tell me a little bit about your life before Christ and um, how you and your family ended up here at Four Corners. Uh, yeah, I was raised in kind of a brought up in kind of a broken home. My, my parents were divorced when I was real young, and uh, primarily I was brought up as a Catholic, and my mom was not a Catholic, so it was kind of interesting growing up. I, I had a sister that identified with being gay pretty much her entire life, and later on found out that I had another sister that I never knew I, I had when I was about 25, so uh, kind of an interesting childhood growing up. My, when my parents were divorced, I kind of came away from the Catholic Church and wasn't really paying attention to Christ and all that stuff, and um, 
my mom started going to a Baptist church, and I really identified with the youth program there and, and liked that for a few years. And then and something had happened where we stopped going and, and weren't really going there anymore, so I kind of lost sight of that. So through high school and then through the military and, um, and up till just a few years ago, I was identified as being a Catholic for the most part, even though I wasn't really attending all that much. Um, so I met my wife, Julie, when I got out of, the mili- out of the military, and she was Catholic as well. So we decided, well, you know, we're both Catholic, so we'll raise our kids Catholic, yeah. go to Catholic church, which didn't happen. So, um, you know, we kind of found that we weren't getting anything out of church. The kids were just like dragging, screaming to church every day because they didn't want to be there. So we decided we were going to hunt for another alternative. So we decided we were going to do the non-denominational church, and we weren't real sure where we wanted to go. We looked at a bunch of different churches, and and we always got this feeling like there were these requirements that you had to be before you were accepted in the church. There was always these rules and these meetings that you had to go to and things you had to do and never really settled well with us. So we were driving down the highway one day, and Julie sees this big green sign on the front of a building and says, hey, you know, what's that? So we checked it out online, and just so happened she happened to recognize the leader of the youth ministries, actually the children's ministries, Brooke Moore. Right. And... Um, and knew her from preschool, so she emailed her, and she's like, come try it out, and we tried it out one Sunday, and um, we loved it. It was the marriage audible sermon that morning, and uh, the kids came out with these big smiles on their faces, and were like, when can we come back? And from that point on, it was like, we're here. That's so, great. It's, it's, yeah, it was a good <laughs> That's experience. what we want to hear. Yeah, um, that's what I love about this place is we can come in these doors and belong here first, and we can let God work on our behaviors and our belief system and all of that. So, um, Jennifer, when we were talking about identity this week, um, you shared with me kind of a light bulb moment that you had with one of the ladies that you serve in South Africa. And Beaded Hope serves these women who are suffering in um, poverty and with HIV and other things. And so you had this moment with her where you really felt like God kind of telling you again this person that he was calling you to be or this kind of redefining of, of who you were. Do you want to share some of that? Sure, of course. Um, I, a couple years uh, after my son was born, I went to South Africa and uh, on my second trip to go do the work of Beaded Hope. And before I left, I asked some friends to pray for me because I was really having trouble with a relationship with one of the women in South Africa, and I really wanted a breakthrough in that relationship. Um, that relationship was with a woman named Mama Peggy, and today she is my business partner, my peer, and my very best friend in the entire world. Um, but at the time, we were not seeing eye to eye. I was really focused on finding ways to make the Beaded Hope business big so that it could bless the women through having lots of work and lots of sales. Mama Peggy's focus was just blessing the women. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't see eye to eye on that, and we were struggling. So um, one day she was sharing stories like she always does. She She has the best stories. And she was telling my husband stories of what it was like to grow up under apartheid um, in South Africa. Mama Peggy is a black South African woman, very well educated, um, 74 years old, and she's lived three quarters of her life under apartheid. Um, And and for those of you that don't know, apartheid is a government-sanctioned form of separatism in South Africa. I think that's probably the easiest way I can... can explain it. And it didn't end until, until the 1990s. So it was part of her life for, right. for over 50 years. Um, and so she shared these stories with my husband. And some of them were funny stories and silly stories and sad stories from her past. But as she shared, the stories got 
more and more deep. And as she shared, um, the story started to become about what it was like personally to be treated the way she had been treated by white people in South Africa in her past. And I could still hear the pain in her voice. The stories could have been 50 years old, and yet she still was um, greatly impacted by those stories. And that's when I had my aha moment. In that moment, um, it dawned on me that I really wasn't any better than any of those white people in her past. I was questioning her. I was acting like I didn't trust her. And I was putting my priorities for the business above her priorities. And in in my own way, in my own subtle way, I was basically telling her that um, she was less than me. And um, that was a really hard revelation in that moment. Um, But thank God, I stopped. And I had the chance to take her hands and look her in the eyes. And I said, I am so sorry. I am so very sorry for the way I've treated you. And I'm so very sorry for the way other people have treated you in your life. And I don't want to be like that. I want to be the white person that shows you that it can be different. Um, And I feel like in that moment, God was answering my prayers very directly. He was showing me, okay, this is how you make it better. You need to confess this. You need to make amends. And you need to start to move forward. And I also, he was giving you the opportunity to, to be who you wanted to be and who he was calling you to be kind of at the same time. And and in a very difficult moment, because it was very humbling and very difficult to realize, really, I, I I wasn't doing anything any better than anyone else in her past, which was a hard revelation. Um, But I really do feel like he was saying to me, listen, nothing comes before relationship and you can't build anything if you don't build the relationship first. Right. That's what he was calling right. me to again. <laughs> right. Um, Troy, your story's a little different. Um, rather than having like this big aha moment of who God was calling you to be, um, you had sort of a slower clarity that, you know, you've had these experiences, you were this person and now you were placed here and you had an opportunity in front of you to use those experiences um, to pour into the lives of the students that you served in your small group. So do you want to share with us kind of how, how you do that in class and kind of what you do there and how you serve with those students? Um, yeah, uh, first off, I was kind of thrust into the whole leadership portion of uh, 4C students. I just got asked one day, hey, you want to come check this out? And next thing you know, I was a seventh and eighth grade leader and, <laughs> and it was pretty, pretty, you know, it was kind of an odd situation. And, and, and the weird thing about that is this church is really good about doing that, but it, it forces you to kind of look inside yourself and try to figure out why you're there to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I I felt kind of like I couldn't do what I was supposed to be doing. Like I wasn't going to be able to do what I needed to do to lead these young men to to follow Christ in that because I didn't have that background. I didn't have that knowledge level of the Bible. But we've done a really good job of placing ourselves with people that are great with Bible knowledge and Scripture. And I kind of bring to the table the the history and the experience of how that stuff applies to real life, and I think that sometimes that's important. You know, we 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 train them on the Bible, and it's they they need to know have that base of the scripture and everything else. But it, unless they can re- apply that, right. you know, to, to real life situations, right. they don't really have it. So I I've got some pretty interesting stories that I tell them from time to time that uh, from just my history and then yeah. things that I see at work and right. kind of brings them in that way. Right. 
No, that's great. Um, thank you guys for sharing and um, for having us pause and consider, you know, maybe God's calling us to be a different person and to look at life differently. Or maybe, you know, he's just calling us in a situation to um, use the person that he's molded us to be already, um, you know, to do his work in this world. So um, thank you guys for sharing your stories. And can you guys tell them thank you? You guys can just... All right, well, um, we have what we call our Connect card around here. So if you have that and you filled your name in, go ahead and take that out. We use this as a spiritual growth tool around here. And we're going to take some bold steps together using our Connect card. Um, step A every week is today I'm making Jesus Savior and Lord. Maybe you're tired of where you are. Um, maybe it's time for you to find your true identity in a relationship with Jesus. If that's you and you mark box A, um, in just a little bit when we pray, you can just pour your heart out to God and just admit to him that, you know, you've tried it on your own and you failed. Um, believe that Christ died and was raised again so that we can have a new identity and life in him. Um, choose to make Jesus the leader of your life. Next step B is, today I'm choosing to be baptized. If you're a Christ follower and you haven't been baptized yet, we um, urge you to make this decision. Later on today in second service, we have a blended family that's coming together through their children's baptisms. And it's going to be an amazing experience where these kids come up and they just proclaim to everybody here, their family, their friends, you know, that Jesus loves them. He accepts them just the way that they are and that they've chosen. They've made that commitment to follow him. So if you're interested in baptism, mark Next Step B, and we'll simply contact you and answer any questions you might have about baptism and let you know when our next baptism service is coming up. Next Step C this week is memorize 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Maybe you need to memorize this verse this week to remind yourself whose you are, to remind yourself where your true identity lies. Next step D, send me scripture reminders this week to help me realize how God sees me. Maybe you struggle like I do with just believing who God says I am. Um, we would love to send you some reminders this week um, through his truth, send you some scriptures throughout the week to help remind you of how God sees you. And then finally, next step E, I'm willing to share my story to encourage others on their journey. The last few weeks while Pastor Ben has been on vacation, we've had people come up on this stage and really just share their life and how God's working in their lives and the lives of the people around them. Um, if you would like to share how you've been changed by Christ, how you're different because of Jesus, um, mark this box, E. And all we'll do is send you an email and ask you to reply to that and share with the staff ways that Jesus has changed you. So let's go ahead and pray for these bold steps. Father, thank you so much for um, Jennifer and Troy's story. Thank you for just the, the clarity of how you work in our lives and their lives and the lives of the people at this place. Um, we pray, Father, that you will um, just help us as we make these commitments this week um, to be bold and to live them out. Pray, Father, that um, you will make very clear to us whose we are and how much you love us and that we are your beloved children.
It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.